0: Shut up, I love
1: it. Shut
0: up. I love it. Shut up. And you're here with Sasha Filer. And this is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we invite a special guest to talk about something underrated, underappreciated, forgotten, misunderstood, hated, filed, hated and joining us today she was born in the soviet union so that's very important grew up and studied ballet in kazakhstan and then immigrated to the united states where she first worked with people with disabilities and now she is an actor advocate for breast cancer awareness she is a dancer and my really good friend welcome tatiana Kot.
1: thank you Спасибо, Oh,
0: my God. This, we're already going heavy on Russian. It
2: begins. That's a lot of Russian.
0: <laughs> so, Tatiana, what are you here to talk about to us today?
1: Well, first of all, I'm here to see my old friend, like you said. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and second, I came to talk about the film that gave me hope that I can do this thing that we do professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here to talk about a Baz Luhrmann film called Moulin Rouge. It came out in 2001. I saw it in a movie theater in Kentucky. And somehow it gave me a silly idea that I can be a professional performer despite of having no visa, no money, no connections, no formal theater or film education. And here I am, I'm doing it professionally. So I guess...
0: Oh, my God, Tiny, the background is so loud. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: what was so great is that was just like a beautiful, like, intro to this movie. And then it's like. (laughs) (laughs) So some good juxtaposition there. Dramatic.
1: (laughs) Right. But uh, I guess I should just, like, give the summary of the movie. Yeah, yeah. For the the people who haven't seen it. So uh, it's about a poor English writer who comes to Paris in 1899 and joins the gang of Toulouse-Lautrec and other bohemians who are customers at the Moulin Rouge and friends with the performers. And then he, the writer, he, the writer, uh, his name is Christian. He's played by Ewan McGregor, who I think is awesome, who sings in the movie himself.
2: Oh, and he loves loves that he's singing in this movie.
1: Um, Yeah, and he falls in love with uh, the lead performer at Moulin Rouge named Satine, who is played by Nicole Kidman. And uh, not
0: unlike Tatiana, she is uh, a tall, beautiful, uh, skinny redhead. So there's some similarities. We can
2: see why (laughs) your connections to this movie grow and grow with each passing minute. Well, I'll tell you a secret.
1: Um, In my stripping days... Satine was my stage name. So I basically took that name from the movie and used it. Yes, I did.
2: That is good. Did I have the red dress? I did
1: have the red dress, like the long, you know, floor length red dress.
0: And you know what? I'm going to even go deeper because Tatiana and I are old friends. And if she doesn't like me to say something here, I'm going to cut it out. But like, you know, as a breast cancer survivor, you probably have even more connection to somebody who is ill, right? Like in the film. So like she has to perform through... Yeah through yeah. all the difficulties that uh, an illness could give, even though you fell in love with the movie before you were sick right, and gotten yes. healthy since then, yeah.
1: Yeah, Satine has consumption, a very right. popular <laughs> disease in 1800s. Very sexy, yeah. Very sexy consumption. And yeah. she dies in the hands of her lover. I mean, come on, it's a dream come true, you know? Not to be a
0: full-on dick, But there are so many (laughs) cliches in this film. (laughs) It's full of cliches. Like in any musicals, they always have like a very expected to be structure. Like like the I want song. Like what is it that the character dreams of? Or the character misses their beloved or something like that. So there's definitely cliches abundant. This movie you know, nevertheless has a lot of groundbreaking cinematog- like cinematography and editing and stuff like that. So there's a lot going on.
2: It's style. all style over uh, necessarily a, a groundbreaking story. Um, but Tatiana, you love this. I do. Where do you think, uh, why did you bring this to shut up? I love it. What category do you think it is in where people might not be knowing about it, connecting with it or whatever?
1: I think the film still holds. Um, I think, you know, I would rewatch it again and again.
2: Oh, there's mm. the DVD right there? Is yes, that the, that's the, the DVD. It's, mm-hmm. um,
1: I actually have the book somewhere. I couldn't find it, but it's alive. It's somewhere in a box. <laughs> I am not a fan of musicals myself. Mm. There's only a couple that I like. I live in New York and I don't go to Broadway. So I still haven't seen Moulin Rouge the musical on Broadway it's running again. I will, but I haven't got to it. So I'm not really a musical person. I can see how musicals as a genre can be not appealing to people because they're not appealing to me in general. Mm -hmm. However, I think this whole singing and dancing world is so native to me. It's the world that I lived in for a really long time since childhood. I danced ballet since I was a little girl. So um, backstage and multiple performers, you know, coming on stage and like sharing dressing rooms. Like I know this, this is my childhood. One. Two, I worked in a casino owned by Russian oil mafia while I was in college. So Basically, Moulin Rouge is an an upscale version of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is the life that I know really well. I lived it. And when I saw it in the movie, I could relate. I could connect to it so hard. Mm -hmm. And also the whole experience of seeing it for the first time. I was working at a summer camp for people with disabilities, and we were on a break between the sessions. And one of our American counselors drove us to a movie theater and we could pick any movie we wanted to see. I really liked the poster. I didn't know much about the film. Mm-hmm. I just went and the experience of sitting in the dark and look watching this on a big screen and people knowing the lyrics everybody singing in the audience because Moulin Rouge is basically 80s and 90s some of the 70s rock and pop songs. So People knew them. I knew some of them, but not all. But the fact that you can sit in the dark and sing with strangers to a screen. When I came out of that film, of that movie, the colors were different. The way I saw the world was different. I don't know, something has changed. The sharpness, the intensity of the way I saw things. And it gave me hope. I started believing that I can actually. Do
0: this. was it 2001 when you saw 2001 it, you yeah so, when it came out and when did you come to america
1: i came to work at a summer camp for the first time in 1999 mm-hmm. so i've been coming to work the summers here and then i would strip a little mm-hmm. bit on the way back home in new york <laughs> i'll make some cash because mm-hmm. summer camp jobs were not really paying much
0: so, this was a fresh experience still for you. Like, I'm being in America, and especially if you weren't really living here, just coming and going back. Yeah. So, and then this was like for the first time being like, oh, wait, that's maybe my dream. Yeah. It's interesting because the two reasons you gave why this movie spoke to you so much one of them is the behind the scene kind of the behind the you know but behind the scene of a dance or cabaret or something like something experience Mm -hmm. that you grew up which of course you didn't pick black swan like you still pick this movie that movie also has those experiences but you chose a very like romantic (laughs) there's a little
2: more aspirational of a movie than black swan
0: (laughs) right so like this but the second reason like it's almost like your life but like in the different like a hollywood version that's very interesting to me because i believe that we like as audience connect to like the archetype of whatever character that like speaks to us that we kind of how imagine ourselves like the reason i love harry potter so much i mean to me i feel like it's because i feel like i'm special
2: (laughs) (laughs) special.
0: (laughs) yeah and i also don't feel like i have to be girly so in him being a boy like i connect more to that figure for whatever reason, which is because when I was growing up, uh, a young girl in Siberia, I didn't have any movies or books where uh, there was a girl protagonist, really. So, like, I a lot of times connected to male figures, heroes in the books and in film because I just couldn't connect to, like, princesses, for example, right? So, to me, like, Harry Potter spoke to me because it's, like, the archetypical story uh, that, like, is, is just, like... How I like to think of myself in some fantasy way, and so it's interesting to see how you connected sort of this like heavy romance and uh, somebody's so beautiful, but she's also really sexy. She, everybody wants her, and then there's like a tragic illness slash love story uh, connected to it, and so it's like a, another story that's maybe appeals to some people.
2: Yeah, and it's like uh, for me, big trouble in Little China. Is one of my favorite movies' because I also am a centuries old wizard who wants to kidnap a woman and marry her
0: that checks out
2: so it's very it's the same
0: <laughs> Do you think Tatiana because I'm here to tell you the answer is yes, but do you think the reason people <laughs> don't like this movie is because of its style maybe who maybe you may have you you may have loved and the colors became sharper and brighter, but maybe some people think. It's a lot of just swinging camera and quick cuts for no good reason. Maybe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's like, not me. Not uh, me. It is a it's a jolting movie. You know, it's it levels out about halfway through, but the the beginning is especially, you know, incredibly fast paced. You don't really know what kind of reality it's in. Uh so I could see why people just walked into this some the the defectors of this movie or detractors rather and like what the hell am I watching <laughs> it's like somebody who's just did coke talking to you there's
0: also defecators I wanted to just put out there the, the
2: defecators. Words. oh that's what I meant <laughs> uh but Sasha have you have you seen no. this before this I've heard experience? the word
0: like the two words together molin rouge I never bothered to look up what it is and it might be the same reason why it spoke to Tatiana. Maybe the same reason why I never did, because that picture does not speak to me at all. <laughs> that poster. I love Tatiana with all my heart, but that picture doesn't speak to me. Um, but I, I, and I'm also here to tell you that I'm not an insane fan of Nicole Kidman. Not like I don't like her. I just don't connect to her. And. Um, I connect to you, Tatiana, a lot. But, like, I just, to me, I, I just don't know. I don't know what it is. I have, th- to me, the favorite thing she's ever done when she was really young. I don't know if you saw it, Tatiana. It was uh, Bangkok Hilton. Of course. Of course. Only Russian people would know this <laughs> reference. It's like the weirdest Australian <laughs> show. I feel like I brought it up on Shut Up a Love It like 100 episodes <laughs> ago. Um, nobody's seen it except Russian people. But it's very young Nicole Kidman. I remember loving her in it. And since then, I just kind of, I don't know, it dissipated for me. It's not there anymore. It defecated.
2: But
0: it defecated. But she, But like always respect. Anytime I think of her, huge respect, no feelings. Uh, Joe, what about you? Have you seen Moulin Rouge before?
2: I had never seen it. I actually got it confused with another movie that now I can't remember what that movie was. Is <laughs> uh, I'll have to look it up at, in a second. <laughs> but I thought it was something completely different. So I was like, okay, I'll check this out at I- I think it's this other thing.
0: Finally, you were thinking. Finally, I get to see it.
2: Oh, I actually wasn't looking forward to it. Oh. I didn't because I thought it was something completely else. And I go into movies very blind. I try to. I I don't want to. You never watch. open
0: your eyes when you.
2: <laughs> it's sound or audio blind. only. So I'm glad it was a musical. Uh, but it, I I didn't know what I was getting into. So this was my first time seeing it and i really didn't know what i was getting into Mm -hmm. and i was very confused
0: until two hours (laughs) and a half later you you figured it out
2: (laughs) yeah i finally got my footing uh so thank you for bringing this on now let's get into this film i i do not like the part that you really like tatiana of the songs being popular songs because for me i just I don't know. It feels like a cheat code for creating a musical. (laughs) Like, I would just write a story, then be like, hey, everybody loves that one Beatles song. We'll just use that here. And of course, everybody's going to love it. But I kind of feel like I'm being a grump in that way because what you described was very beautiful of all these strangers singing in a theater. And not even like, it's not like that was a cult movie at the time. It's like, here's a brand new movie, and everyone's just like, hey we know this which
0: reflects the genius behind the idea of a jukebox musical of we're just going to put super popular mm-hmm. songs and people are going to respond if to nothing else to the songs because out of all like you know 30 songs in the movie at least like five of them are going to be like your favorites like or one of the ones that you really enjoy that they'll so many.
2: sing in such a different way <laughs> That you're like, what is this Some of them very different
0: way. Like Roxanne, super different way. Oh, yeah. Like a virgin. Like a virgin, very different way. Yeah. Some Beatles songs that are different.
2: The Hills Are Alive with The Sound of Music, as we heard beautifully.
0: Song in the very beginning of this episode. Yeah. You could (laughs) even
2: play it again uh, if you don't mind editing it back in right now. Oh, that was nice.
0: Joe, your job right now is to look up the movie that you thought.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Meanwhile,
0: uh, so how many times, Tatiana, would you say you've seen this film?
2: At least 12. Mm -hmm.
0: And I just want to kind of make it clear. So, Joe and I are never on Shut Up, I Love It to talk shit about the thing that our (laughs) person brings in, right? We are here to celebrate whatever this may be. And I should also say that this movie is very popular, right? So besides the fact that, like, some people may not like it, which you can say probably about any movie, there's still high Rotten Tomato score. I feel like it's at least 70s, maybe. Baz Luhrmann
2: uh, kept working.
0: He's working hard. He's been working since, what, early 90s. Romeo and Juliet.
2: Yeah, Greg Gatsby.
0: So he's definitely busy and... uh there's many many people who love him and his movies so it's not um necessarily again a hated subject that you're defending but you just to me what this shut up i love it episode about is like you highlighting almost your personal connection to it and that's I, I i find it very poetic and touching so how how throughout the years if at all this movie kept it kept you on your toes, maybe pursuing what you were lucky to be, as you are self-described lucky to be doing now, which is being an actor in New York, a dancer. How did it, how did it keep you on your toes and did it serve as a guiding light in that way?
1: The whole mentality about the show must go on landed very deep and became <clears throat> sounds like a cliche, personal mantra but as you know i have recovered from a very serious illness but in the process i had to perform while in treatment so i had to perform six weeks after a double mastectomy and i had to dance on stage i had to dance the dance of seven veils so i am disrobing and you know the, the dance is very intricate and physically demanding um six weeks six weeks after a radical double mastectomy, you, usually women are capable of lifting a glass of water, but like not, you know, swinging clothes over the head on stage and leaping and bending. Like that's usually unheard of. I did it because the show must go on. And as I joke with my Russian theater friends, I usually say in Russian, I serve the theater so, you know, like it's it's in tune of how in the Soviet Union, they used to say, I just mm-hmm. say I serve the theater, you know, because that is my world and my religion and the meaning of my life. If I don't do this, I would die. I saw it very clearly during the pandemic. My health has crumbled while I was not doing live theater. So for me, it's not pretentious, not stretched. It's actually how I live. Um, My daily and weekly and monthly schedule and life activities are around, they're scheduled around rehearsals, around performances. That's what I live for. Having lived through cancer and being in remission, you're constantly reminded that you're living in bonus time. This is the extra time you were given. So you're trying to use it wisely and most effectively doing the things that you love the most. So yeah, for me, that hasn't changed. It was like this when I was studying ballet and I'm sure those of you who have studied ballet with Russian ballet teachers, Mm know that that is like the military for kids and I've done very busy 10 years of that and then the Soviet Union fell apart so my ballet career never happened because things just disintegrated the the schools would not accept the students from other republics you couldn't do this professionally the same for acting you couldn't enter an acting school let's say in moscow because i grew up in kazakhstan and we didn't have our our local theater school so you had to choose between studying teaching or engineering
0: right. i chose
1: teaching which was mm-hmm. still a little closer to acting mm-hmm. but yeah uh, talk about you know lack of opportunities talk about having Minus opportunities, not zero, minus something, something, you know, 10, 10, 12, whatever. So basically, this career that I have right now, I didn't start from the ground floor. I started it two levels of the basement down. <laughs> and I just climbed on my own fingernails from the basement with no connections, not, no money. My family was very poor. And I made it in another country. So I do it now in another country using this language that we speak right now.
0: Which is it, German?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Kazakh. It's Kazakh. No, I don't speak Kazakh, unfortunately. I only speak mm-hmm. Russian. Yeah, so for me, the messages, the micro messages in the movie, this they still read true. Maybe sometimes they are idealistic. Mm hmm but they work for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't help watching the movie and knowing you to be like, oh, of course she loves the movie. Like in the most like positive, like warm <laughs> sense. Like, of course. They, like, again, I said it before, I'll say it again. Like Nicole Kidman is pretty much like a Tatiana lookalike. Um, plus Tatiana is a better dancer than Nicole Kidman. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, like, I just like the red hair and the, the personality. It, it just, I just felt like Like, of course, and then having in the almost like eerie uh, way your life to be so um, changed by the diagnosis and the survival and all the press and New York press that like accompanied um, your going on stage so early after your double mastectomy and like you're finding like almost like uh, some, you know, fame in that. You know, which is also again like it just reflects in some ways almost like this movie plot wise, which is eerie. And I'm it it is, I didn't think
1: about it that way, but no, but that's all I think
0: about when I was watching it. Um, but like in the you know, in like an uplifting way, unlike the movie, you know, in an uplifting way, yeah. I mean, it's it's fucking crazy, is what I'm saying,
1: yeah. And and Joe probably does know that, but. Sasha cast me in my first leading role ever.
2: Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. In her
1: movie. That was my first leading role in a film in America. It was Sasha's movie. I remember as if it was yesterday. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, she cast me without an audition. She said I was auditioning for another director and Sasha was there in the room. And then later she just stopped me in the hallway and was like, are you from Siberia? <laughs> really? I'm like, yeah. Okay. So you yeah. got
2: the role. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the way to go. That is really it. like, since you've loved this movie since before all these things happened that later mirrored your life, you know, you talk about signs in the world and just little hints the universe gives you. And I think that's, that's one of those little gifts of a, of a sign of just like, hey, this movie you loved, it's your life, it was always meant to be, you know, for to for you to look back on, for you to have that grounding, show must go on mantra. So that's very interesting and very cool.
0: And touching. And I'm, yeah, I'm grateful that you're talking about it because I think it's not maybe that episode where we analyze the movie as, as much in depth as we connect it again to your personal experience because... It's unique how you're almost like intertwined with the with the movie, and it's almost like you are like conjoined together in some way. And uh, in that sense, I I can't see like a work of art or a Hollywood movie, which may or may not be a work of art, but like have more meaning than that, you know. Because especially when you when you describe your in the, bi- in the bio you gave me, you said this. I am living my dream life and I haven't thought of it like that. I mean, I know like you're busy in New York and, but you're like, you're not living in the penthouse, you know, neither am I, but like, you know what I mean? It's not like, like what is the measure of happiness?
1: Can you expand
0: more on that and how it's connected maybe to the, what film is about?
1: Absolutely. Um, When I was younger, I would have these year planners, right? And for quite some years, on the very last page, I would write, Hollywood, I made it. And I kept doing this again and again and again. And then I came to see Sasha in Hollywood some years ago. I think that was 2012 mm-hmm. that I came to see you, in spring of 2012. But as time went by, I realized that... Success to me is not the awards, is not the penthouse, is not you know what you have in the bank. It would be nice to have more money just to be able to travel back home and see my parents more often than once a year. But the fact that now playwrights write plays for me and send them to me and ask if I can do this project you know, I wrote this thing. I spent, I don't know, like four, eight months writing it. Can you please do this? So to me, that is precious and the highest praise. Also, the accept- acceptance of peers. I've had this ugly duckling syndrome going for the longest time because, you know, I would see somebody on stage and they would be so fucking unbelievable. And I would just sit there and think, oh, beautiful swans. I wish you could take me with you. I want to be like you. I want to do what you do. And then I went to audition for one of the companies who were like that for me. And to this date, I've done eight shows with them. The swans took me in... You know, in their company. So, like now, I'm one of them.
0: How did you? Did they ever give you feedback on how they saw you when you were auditioning?
1: They did. They did.
2: What
1: did they say? Oh, really? <laughs> and ironically, um, since we're talking about dance so much, um, the audition was several parts. One was a monologue, and that did not go so well. Like I am, mm. I was not so strong in. Shakespearean theater back then and again that was 10 years ago so like my my monologue was not that great then I did an improv and that went very well they were laughing a lot Mm -hmm. and the third part was you know your special talent so of course I was dancing and of course Sasha is gonna love it I am dancing the dying swan And um, I finished, so I died on stage. Mm-hmm. I'm dying a lot on stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like kind of a thing. I just well, keep dying. You're
0: looking for that rebirth.
1: I guess I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm rehearsing. I'm so well prepared for when it actually happens. I've done it so many times. It's better than not be prepared.
2: <laughs> yeah, for when consumption finally takes us.
1: <laughs> eh, I mean, we it's have most COVID. Sexy way. We yeah. have COVID now, so you know, consumption, <laughs> COVID, very close. But when I finished my dance. <laughs> They were awfully quiet for a really long time, and I was like, "Shit!" And I'm laying, you know, with my face down mm-hmm. on the floor and thinking, "Oh my god, that was awful." And then they got up and they gave me a standing ovation for that number, mm. and they told me I was, you know, accepted into the company right away uh, before the callback. I was like,
0: oh, so was it was the dance that really got. It them? was the dance. Yeah,
1: it was not talking; it was moving.
0: And now since you missed so much dancing in your, you know, working with kids and people, young or older adults uh, with disabilities and just doing, like, just trying to survive in New York, obviously didn't have much dancing going at that time, right? So I doubt that you had the highest leap, like, whatever, or the biggest span of your wings, you know, in that dance, right? Like, just technically, I like, you probably didn't. I didn't. So was it, like... um sort of the more the expressiveness that they, that they related to and that spoke to them?
1: Probably. It was, you know, you dance like you danced the last time. You put everything into it. And to the credit of my ballet teacher, who passed away three weeks ago, actually, mm. the base that she gave me, I am still using that. Whatever she taught me up to the age of seventeen, I am still using. I can still fake um, being a dancer, even though now a lot of you know my body parts are broken and sprained and fractured and whatnot. So like I don't dance on point anymore, but I still dance. I work with a contemporary dance company now. So that ballet foundation that I got, I'm still using. And not a lot of people dance at 46. Not a lot of dancers are able to perform at 46. I still do. I
0: what can... is the what is the foundation? Like, If the, I mean, obviously, there's going to be some terms maybe we won't understand being not dancers. But is there any, like, layman, laywoman wisdom in that foundation that you can parlay?
1: Well, no, it's basically the technical, you know, package that you get if you study ballet if you study ballet seriously Mm
2: -hmm.
1: not you know an hour a week we're talking about four hours five times a week so like I only knew school and the ballet practice I didn't have any life outside of that but those hours that you work very hard they build a certain mind body connection Mm. that stays
2: yeah that makes sense Especially when you do it young. We have... We, uh, refer to our ballet episode of Shut Up, I Love It.
0: Yeah, we have a good... Uh, what I like to think is good ballet episode where uh, a working TV writer, Omira Galarza, she um, describes her love for, love for ba- ballet not being even like a ba- ballet like trainee from young age. Just like finding it almost like as an adult. Yeah, or maybe as an adult for sure. And she, she's... Interesting. It's interesting how her perspective is from point of view of somebody who, you know, works as a TV writer, but at the same time, completely obsessed with the art and what it gives her. So you're saying you are living your best life in the best possible way, right, Tatiana? Yeah. Like, I mean, this expression yeah. really... Another cliche maybe, like a new famous Instagram expression that I honestly use very honestly. Like when I tell people live your best life, I really mean it. It usually just means like, "Do go live your best life. Like don't don't ask me, like do it. Um, And it sounds like you are someone who is having that experience.
1: Yeah. You know, the fact that you've shown very clearly how little time we all have. My timer is ticking a little faster than most people's. So a lot of stuff that people postpone. I don't have that luxury. I go and I do. There is very little time for de- for self-doubt and for, you know, hesitating. You just go and do.
0: You know, I always knew you as a very bright, interesting person. Um, and we've known each other probably, I don't know, 16 years, maybe more. Do you think that diagnosis has changed you? I mean, I feel like there was some kind of change after what you lived through. It was still you, but there were certain, like, maybe fuck it added to who you already were. Because you were always, like, a nice person who loved everybody and took care of people. But maybe you became more diva, too, in a good way. I think you became more diva, like, in the sort of... I'm a fucking actor, but also... Fuck it. Well, it's that yeah.
2: self-doubt. It's the yeah. You kill this. No more room for self-doubt, right? Right. Like that baggage is gone.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that you know. Like, I walk into rooms. I kick the door, and I'm like, "Look at me! <laughs> I'm gonna do a monologue for you." you. Should no, give it of a course try. not. <laughs> Maybe. Well, there are no rooms anymore. There is only a uh, self-tape
2: <laughs> situation <Okay. laughs>
1: going going on, <laughs> and it's here to stay. But Yeah, I just quit my part-time gigs that I had to survive, like a lot of people. And, you know, we we all are taught that, oh, you want to be an artist or not? I don't know why I can't say that word. Mm -hmm. An artist, uh, and it always comes with the starving artist, you know, like that appendage. But if you're an artist, just go do art, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Joe and I are writers and comedians and I definitely noticed something, like, recently that, like, writing happens almost without me being involved if only I show up. Like, I don't have to, like, even worry about writing. (laughs) Like, I have to solve the problem of the day, like, whatever. Like, what am I working on? What am I focusing on? But in many instances, I noticed that it's, like, I'm not even responsible for writing to happen. All I do, I just have to do it. I have to be there for it. And it's not like, you know, the universe is writing through me or something like that. It's just more like it just will happen if you show up because it's just the process is there. You just click in quicker, you know, showing up. And Joe is a very prolific writer, so I'm sure he experienced it way before before I did. But it is interesting how just doing the work can give you confidence and maybe ability to kick those doors and, and, you know, just um, and maybe understanding that uh, being an artist is really just showing up more than other things.
1: Yeah, and also, I used to think that what we do is a very self indulgent trade and field. Mm. But look at the pandemic. Look what people were doing while they were at home. They were watching shows. Some of them were watching recordings of
2: theater shows.
1: Some some were watching Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. It makes your day better. We What we do, we make people's lives better, even if it's just for an hour, two hours. Um, when, I do a lot of kids' shows these days. Mm-hmm. I did right before the pandemic, and I still do. And if... I can't change a kid's life for 45 minutes. I did something good today.
0: That's how I think when I help a dog in need. Yeah. Just by giving like a, like a advice to their owners of how like not to ruin your dog. I feel like, yeah. oh, if I made this dog's life better going forward, I think this is a great day. Yeah. And yeah. I think
2: even the, to, to go smaller than that, not better going forward, but just better for that hour, like you said, the, watching the mm-hmm. show. Uh that hour was great for them. We don't need to do anything more than that. Like even you know, I don't need to write a movie that even changes anyone's life. If it gave them some joy, period, for an hour and a half, that's cool enough. We don't need bigger than that.
0: I think this is a good place to move on to rating Molin Rouge. <laughs>
2: I'm so, I'm so glad I watched it and uh, gave and provided detailed analysis as prep, uh, but uh, I'll use it for another podcast. Let me explain the rating system to you. We're gonna rate Moulin Rouge on a scale of zero to ten using something as a reference point. That something can be another movie that's similar or it could be something like chocolate chip cookies. Hey, chocolate chip cookies are trash. They're a zero. Boulin Rouge is a 10. Whatever you want. And if that doesn't make sense, me and Sasha will go first. Uh, so the movie that I thought this was was Burlesque. Oh. <laughs> um, so there we go. Take take what you will from that and my expectations. Uh, let's, let me rate this off of another jukebox musical i'll go i'll just go straight i figure you guys will do weirder rating <laughs> systems i'll go straight with a jukebox musical that i've talked about before blinded by the light it's all songs from the boss bruce springsteen mm. and i love that movie it, it is weird a little bit in its musical format but it's also just a, a straight great story simple story I'm going to give that a 10 out of 10. Wow. Moulin Rouge, I didn't love, but I appreciated the hell out of it. I think Baz Luhrmann does so many bold choices that no one else would do that it's very invigorating to watch a movie like this even if you don't necessarily like it cuz it's not your style or anything like that. It's just it was a very kinetic movie. I would anybody who was like, "Hey, give me 20 different types of films this might be one of those films i put on you know to say just study this here's a mystery here's a superhero one here's this it's like this one has to go on the list because it's doing really really interesting moves i'm gonna give this a 10 out of 10 as well
0: oh my god wow (laughs) but i didn't like it (laughs) <laughs> it's very complicated. I'm going to go next, and I'm going to change it for today's episode. And that first, I'm going to say where the Moulin Rouge is on my scale. And then I'll explain what I'm ro- putting it against. So um, Moulin Rouge did not like it. Did not like it. Did not enjoy <laughs> it. Uh, it. Had nothing to do Like, didn't want anything to do with it um, to me. But, like, uh, just let, it, let me do this. You know, full of cliches, um, you know, you 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 know, you name it. Nothing I liked about it. Two. Two on a 10 scale. <laughs> but let me tell you what's on a 10 on on that scale. It's you, Tatiana. And like your story and what you had to live through and what you, the hope you gave and inspired other people. And So you. to me, that's a total 10. Uh, Moulin, I'm inspired by you. Moulin Rouge, not so much. But if it inspires you, then it deserves to live on just as you yourself and your legacy, so that's what that's
1: what I got. What about you? Thank you. <laughs> I will compare Moulin Rouge to Earl Grey ice cream produced wow. by Van Lueven. I don't know sponsor of you know the this show company. <laughs> uh, I wish there was. Sp- Sounds amazing because I love Earl
0: Grey. Like this is my favorite tea, mm-hmm.
1: but a lot of people don't. No, but older oh. ladies do,
0: and I, I have older ladies' taste. I, I mean, love grapefruit, you know, to eat grapefruit, to drink Earl Grey, and to have Campari and soda. That's like my, and plum wine. That's my perfect, like, sweets and deliciousness. <laughs> yeah, go on. I had to say mm-hmm. that. So,
1: being an old lady myself, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah, the table. it's all good. Just
0: That's keep so throwing excited. the table. This is one on kinet- the kineticism <laughs> is palpable.
1: So, yeah, for me, it's a 10. It was a 10. It is a 10. And they'll probably have to put this DVD uh, in the coffin with me, but I don't think there'll be a coffin.
0: <laughs> okay. Very <laughs> cheerful
1: Russian ending. And
0: just so, so it's clear, the Earl Grey ice cream, wh- where is it? Is it 10 too?
1: oh yeah that one oh, okay that one i can sit down and eat the whole what mm. is it a pint by myself yeah which who knows
0: what it is in russian yeah but it's it's good it's a good i model. mean it's
1: from here mm. it's it's a new york-based company oh wow i think they make the best ice cream then does it can have be-
0: caffeine
1: uh yeah a little bit
0: oh wow so then forget it it's yeah, the real the deal best. it's yeah <laughs> Well, Tatiana, what an incredible episode of Shut Up, I Love It. Might be just my favorite now. Um, Is there anything you'd like to plug for our audience? Maybe your socials, anything, anywhere they can see you?
1: Well, my plug is always the same. Um, Having lived through my experience, I always um, invite women who might find themselves in a similar situation to reach out if they need advice. I am counseling one of my friends who is preparing for her double mastectomy and I referred her to my surgeon they are working together and I hope it goes well but a lot of times women reach out you know with that problem it's a lot of decisions that you have to make and it's a very lonely experience when you hear your diagnosis for the first time so if anybody needs an ear I'm there, I'm on Insta, I'm on Facebook. Just just write to me. I'll 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 advise you to the best of my ability. I'm not a medical professional, but I lived through it, so that great. And
0: we'll put the socials on the description of the episode. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, Tatiana. Joe, what is going on with you these days? What is any going s- on with me? Any inspiring stories you got?
2: uh no just you know if you love art go check out dot you'll find stuff that hopefully inspires you for a lifetime
0: <laughs> i love it there you go they put it well and if you want to write a story maybe about tatiana um and put it in the pilot Well, you can't actually write It's a spec. It's a spec lab that I'm plugging. So you have to write a spec of an existing show, but you can use specifics of Tatiana's life maybe after you connect with her. I don't know. Do what's right for you. Take my class, spec lab class on scriptanatomy.com. And thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for the artwork. Thank you, Mr. Owl, for this amazing song. And thank you for listening and stay well. Thank you. I
2: love it.